Revenge, Season 1, Episode 2, Trust. Hi, and welcome to the Kowski Cast. I'm Mary. And I'm Laura. And today we're talking about Episode 2 in the first season of Revenge. How are you doing today, Laura? Doing pretty well. I mean, it's it's night at this point. Right. 10, How are you doing tonight? <laughs> yeah, it's 10, 15 p.m. Eastern time. But anyway, I'm doing pretty well. I've got a glass of red wine. It's Cab Sauv, in case anybody wanted to know. It's my favorite. Um, it's a really cheap bottle. But yeah, this is a pretty cheap <laughs> bottle. Definitely not something I'm enjoying too much, but it's all I got. So, um, and Mama bought it, so. But anyway... Um, I really enjoyed our rewatch of episode one, but I'm glad to be diving into the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like the first episode was really great at setting us up, presenting us with a great cast of characters, but I'm more personally invested in the long-term story rather than just the villain in each of these individual episodes. Yeah, true. Uh, speaking of individual villains, do you like the checklist format that we've gotten out of these first two episodes. So first with Lydia being the target in episode one, and now Bill Harmon being the target in this episode? I think it's a good strategy for the show in order to get things going and really giving an impression that Emily is getting things done and making big moves right off the bat. And I think it's a strategy you see a lot in other shows. I know that, like in Smallville, for example, you really get those freak of the week bad guys with the overarching villain of the Luthers. Yeah, it does sort of remind me of Smallville in that way. Um, so let's go ahead and jump in by discussing the target of Bill Harmon in this episode and how he compared to Lydia in terms of a threat. Yeah, so we first see Bill Harmon at the beginning of this episode when they're at the polo match, and I know we're going to talk more about the polo match specifically later, but just throughout this episode, I feel like Bill Harmon was a little bit more of a... of more of a fleshed-out person than Lydia was. I feel like we just got Lydia as being sort of the other woman, the best friend of Victoria, but this is someone who we see here who has a career, who is a smart person, who has clearly made a life for himself after the scandal that went on with David Clark, and so I feel like he was a little bit more of a, I don't know, I wasn't 100% sure how she was going to win, how Emily was going to win in this scenario where it seemed pretty easy for Emily to win with just exposing someone cheating. Yeah, I agree. I feel like Lydia didn't really come up across as a threat, really. And she had very little interaction with Emily herself you know like they met and they talked a couple times but I really don't think that Emily did much to show her hand you know besides she just seemed like a nice person showing up and telling Lydia like oh is this your husband do you need a ride to the hospital yeah I would be really intimidated being around a guy like Bill Harmon versus Lydia yeah because it sounds like he's the head of an investment firm or a hedge fund do you know what the difference is there oh gosh <laughs> I should know. I studied business. I just did a quick Google, Google search for a hedge fund, and it says a limited, a limited partnership of investors that uses high-risk methods, such as investing with borrowed money 
in hopes of realizing large capital gains, which we'll find we'll find out later. It is you know, pretty risky. It's risky, but you know, with high risk comes high reward. You can make so much money doing this, being an investor for a hedge fund. Probably being the people also investing in hedge funds too, right? Well, yeah. I mean, investors, they take money from other people and they're investing other people's money. Like, I know what to do with this money. Uh, you know, trust me. I'm going to invest it. And sometimes like this, it can be a high risk, but it can really be a high reward. Or it can completely destroy a business yeah. or... People can lose a ton of money, too. And that's really what we see happen to a bunch of people in this episode, which makes me wonder, this is sort of jumping to the end, but I really wonder if all the people both who work at his company and the people who were on that top list of investors, I know there was a part at the end after she, after Emily succeeds in ruining Bill Harmon, and he said, all of our investors are pulling out. Does that mean that they, the people on that top list, or whatever, do they did not lose money, or did they lose money? No, I think they lost money. So <sighs> this is a little over my head. I really don't know the specifics. <laughs> I'd have to really, but it's either. I mean, it's all like real money, but it's kind of hypothetical. To you know, your your money goes up and down. The value goes up and down, up and down. And you want to you want to pull out. You want to pull out when it's high, and you want to you want to get in when it's low, and then you. And then you're hoping that when you get out, it's the value is way higher. Right. So and like a topical reference, just to date this podcast, it's like how Bitcoin right now is going oh, up yeah. and down, up yep. and down. Yep, exactly. And people are either making you know tons of money, or you pull out at the wrong time, and they've lost everything. Exactly. It's really risky, but well, again. and that that made me think about the opening that you know how Emily has these little narrative narrative quotes that go at the beginning of a lot of these episodes and one of the most common ones that we see is sort of this beginning um right here that i'll read which is when i was a child my father was framed for a crime he didn't commit you get that at the beginning of a lot of episodes then she goes on to say in this episode before he died he left me a road map for revenge that led me to the people who destroyed our lives sometimes the innocent get hurt but one by one the guilty will pay nothing ever goes exactly as you expect and mistakes are often life and death Sorry, and mistakes are life and death. Collateral damage is inescapable. So that made me think about, okay, they're talking about collateral damage there, and I guess that's a lot of the people who work with Bill Harmon and also these people on the top of the list. Maybe those are the people she's talking about because they're clearly not guilty for anything regarding her father. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, innocent people are also going to be affected by decisions. Which is kind of interesting because, you know, we're supposed to look at Emily as our heroine and as the protagonist here, and yet there's clearly going to be some people who are going to be affected by this who are not her clear targets. Yeah, you're right. I mean, all those people that worked for for um, for Bill, they all I guess lost their job. Just, just so. what happens. It's the way the world world turns, yeah. you know? And, and again, this is all about Emily and her story, so. So we're not really supposed to care <laughs> too much about for these little Bill's out, outlying people. Yeah, we'll just yeah. assume they, they're they rich, they go on and find another job, they'll be okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, gosh. Anyway, so a couple other things I noticed about Bill Harmon this episode. First off, what's with the dice that he's like, oh, rolling know. in his hand, both here and in the flashbacks? Is it kind of like a, a stress reliever? You know, rolling the dice, having that in your hand. Just It's the fidget spinner of the, the, the oh, day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the fidget spinner. Exactly, exactly. Or it's supposed to, like, intimidate people. They're looking at your hand while... Yeah, they're, they're distracted by I, I sort of associate it with almost like a gambling sort of he's risky kind of yeah, element. Or it's just a true. clever way of showing 
that she remembers him. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's also that too. Like the symbol, like the uh, infinity times infinity, the infinity symbol. Right, it's the double infinity. Double yeah. infinity. And, and so we see several flashbacks, I don't remember exactly, two or three flashbacks throughout the episode of Bill Harmon talking with uh, Amanda's, you know, Emily, her dad and her in some of these scenes, and we notice that she calls him Uncle Bill. Yep. What did you interpret from that? They're very, very close. He was like a relative to her, like a, another father figure in a way. Yeah, maybe, maybe I don't think we close. get any confirmation that they're actually related. Yeah, no, no not, I think it's more of a, yeah, family friend type of thing. Yeah, I feel like we've had people, have we, that are like, our uncle, blah, blah, blah. Not related, but... Yeah, well, I mean, we personally don't as much. Although we did have some family friends going up that I actually thought we were related to because we <laughs> saw them more than our actual relatives, but that's just, that's a, that's just a side story. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, maybe not as close as a father figure, but an uncle, <laughs> the sidekick, that I'm sure she grew up, hung out with him a lot. He was there for her birthday, which is what we saw. And this is actually something funny that I always, from the... The, the first couple episodes I've seen several times, because I feel like every time we introduce the show to one of our friends or something, you go back and you watch episode one or two. And one thing that I, for some reason, have always just had in my head was I always thought Bill Harmon gave her the dog. I didn't realize that he was just there when she got the dog. And so I'm, I've always sort of thought of Sammy kind of, like, ne- negatively, because I was like, oh, but that's Bill Harmon gave it to her, and then he, you know, screwed her father over no, it, her father gave it the dog. <laughs> Just to clear that up, uh-huh. in case anyone else missed that. Oh, gosh. Now, jumping to the present, I know Conrad, I have this in my notes, Conrad saying, I fired you 18 years ago to Bill. So, I get the feeling that Conrad, that Bill Harmon used to work for Conrad, and then Conrad had fired him, and then Bill started a new company, like, all way back before the Daniel Grayson stuff. Because or was at the same time. I don't think it's been 18 years, though. Has it? No, I mean, that, that would work out. That, that would make sure. She's like five. And but then... she wasn't five. She was clearly like nine, ten, eleven, something like that. Eighteen years. I mean, she's not thirty. I mean, I, the actress could pass as thirty, but I don't think that's the age that we're supposed to be getting because I'm pretty sure that Daniel Grayson is supposed to be like twenty-five, and I think they're supposed to be around the same age. Yeah, but wouldn't he? Because he's in his second to last well, year of law school or grad school. Oh. Bill Harmon was in the picture. Oh, oh, I see. Why was he so with... So why would he be that? I think he... I don't know when that picture was supposed to be taking place. If that was, like, right before the, everything went down, or if that was years I before. Could believe, well, I could believe that all this, you know, the framing of David happens, and then right after that, they get Bill to portray David, and then, you know, he, what, he leaves the company or gets fired by Conrad, and then he starts his own business. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say, because I was really trying to pay attention to what was happening in the conversations between David and Bill Harmon in the flashbacks, and it was kind of confusing. So it seemed like seemed like Bill Harmon did something. He had contacts at another company, and he knew they were going to do something with their investment, so he knew they were going to be a good bet. And so he made some kind of deal where he scored a lot of money with a company, but it was because he had done something basically illegal, was he had an inside scoop on uh... the company, at a mole in the company. And um, because of that, he knew that he was going to get arrested, and I, my guess is that he ended up making some sort of deal to frame David for doing yeah. that, which I don't really get because it didn't seem like he worked in the same like department as David or whatever. I mean, assuming all of this is somehow still under Grace and Global, um, I'm also not really sure Maybe why Conrad was... would care if he was being sketchy because Conrad's clearly sketchy with his business. 
Yeah, maybe he was in a manager. He was in charge of investing the Grace and Global's money. That also brings up a good point, which is what does Grace and Global do? Yeah. <laughs> Grace and <laughs> Global. So it's a company that has lots of right. So it's power company. Yeah. All right. I don't know if we're ever really gonna nail down that. It's just it's just a big company. Uh, whatever. But so I thought it was really funny when when Emily is. Uh, talking to Bill Harmon at the game, at the polo match, and they're just kind of going back and forth, and she's like, well, I know a good bet when I see one. Mm -hmm. I guess that has to do with the horse riding and everything. But then she's like, hard to know who to trust with money, or who to trust with your money, and he's like, that's his job. Yeah. Is you trust him to do stuff with your money that's going to, Make more money. It's, right. I don't know. I love those and, little one-liners. And you like, like they were bringing up stuff about 2008, and ever since 2008, she wasn't comfortable. You know, she had kept all her assets to herself and, and hadn't been investing, um, which I think is just kind of interesting because, you know, we lived through 2008 and the, the crash mm-hmm. and the market and all that. And so anything that dates a show is always kind of interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, that was a huge turning point or, you know, huge upset. With uh, the housing bubble and everything at 2007, 2008. So. And the other big thing that we learned from this episode that has to do with Bill Harmon and the flashbacks is he knew about David and Victoria. And I'm not sure how he knew. I guess we're supposed to assume that David told him, just, you know, confided in him as a family friend. Because Bill casually says at one point in this episode, oh, aren't you trying to make Victoria... You know, Emily's new mother, basically. Or Amanda. Amanda's new mother. And I think that's kind of interesting because clearly he went to Conrad and said something about that. Or David told Victoria, you know, Bill Harmon knows I trusted in the wrong person. And so, yeah, this... I was... I had written down when I first started this episode a note of, why is this episode called Trust? And it makes a lot more sense now after we've been talking about it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, with trusting your money and trusting the wrong people and... Stuff like that, but... Exactly. Because prior to this, about, you know, David and Victoria, all we had seen was that he, they had a watch that said, you know, until uh-huh. forever. But we didn't really ever get any confirmation because we hadn't seen the two of them together or anything. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I was going to say that uh, this keeps on bugging me. I want to know what happened to Amanda's mom. Uh. I know, because we don't, we don't know anything about that yet. But we do... Now <laughs> we do have a... We did finally get it acknowledged. It's not one of these shows that just skirts past the fact that, you know, her mom's there. Because as of this first episode, if I was someone just coming and watching it for the first time, I would say, okay, she's going, she's trying to avenge her dad, she's trying to avenge her dad, uh, where's her mom? But Yeah, they've got to bring it up. But it's like, something must have tragic happened to, I'm thinking the mom must have died or something that he would go to Victoria. I just don't see how he would ever like a I mean, person like Victoria. It's hard from the outside, but I mean, just me looking at it, yeah, David seems much more know, down, down to, to earth. earth, and yes. I would picture him with someone more, you know, he seems more like Jack, or, you know, like, just find some normal girl. I you know, know, you know what? This is, it reminds me of life. I feel like guys always go for the girls that are way more high maintenance. Yeah. Like, I find, like, I would be so chill, whatever, blah, well, this blah. This is not a podcast about your love life. I know. I'm just saying that I feel like guys that you just, you think are so down to earth, blah, blah, they end up with these girls that are so high maintenance, but maybe they like that. Maybe they maybe like... Maybe need to be more high maintenance. I know, maybe I should. Like, oh more God. of a bossy girl that's, maybe puts them in their place. <sighs> you know what, it's all that she reminds, 
she's more like the mom. That's why guys want girls that are gonna be. I don't like know, but when mom. I think about high maintenance, I think more about needy. Like, they need more things from you. Well, but Victoria does not seem that way. She seems very independent, yeah. so I don't know. I think maybe it's just high the maintenance more of just like. Well, I think the bigger problem here is when I look at David, you think, oh, he's such a nice guy, he's such a nice guy. Yeah, but he's clearly in love with someone who's married and who he worked, like his boss's wife. I mean, that is where it comes down to me, the part that I just never understood. The whole fair part. Yeah, yeah. it's just like you would, you want him to be, it's much like, with no spoilers here, it's much like Ned Stark in Game of Thrones. And you're like, he's just honor and integrity, loyalty, you know, all this, and he's just such a great person. Honor, integrity, loyalty, that's coach from Survivor. I don't know why I put that up, but, um, but he's, you know, he's got this thing, and, and yet he has a bastard son, and, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, in Jon Snow, and that's something of, you know, huge plot point in the show is just how does this, where's this disconnect, right? But Lydia Davis, we see, is still in this episode, and she is meeting up with Conrad and trying to get money for her losses because she is not just been kicked out of the Hamptons, but she is now no longer going to get any money from her divorce. Yeah, a couple of things. So he like he picks her up. Uh, he's in he's in a car. It's like his his driver picks her up on the side of the road, and she's like, Lydia says, "Thanks for picking me up on the side of the street like a prostitute." Like it really was kind of like a. Pull over, hop in, girl hops in, and uh, she's just like, you know, Mary said she gets nothing. She's like, you can write me a check. A A big big one. one. (laughs) Yeah, I like that too. And it made me think for a second, you know, just curiously, I was thinking, okay, well, what what is a big check? A couple million dollars? I don't don't know what the scope is of what these people want. That she can just live Live her life of... Live the rest of her life. Just... And that's one thing about this show is it's such a contrast between people like Jack, who we see, try, you know, selling his boat, doing all these things just to make his dad's bar, you know, run. So you have these people who are just working hard, clearly not making a lot of money and stuff like that. And then you've got these other people in Victoria and Emily and Lydia who are... Money doesn't just, mean anything. No, it just, they came into money, especially when you look at Emily, she did nothing to get that money. It all had to come between her dad and Nolan. So she has done nothing to get this money, and yeah, they take on charity projects and they do all these things. It's just night and day, and a part of me just thinks like, come on, can't you guys just give some money to Jack or whatever, <laughs> you know? Hey, that is, that's our world. So what did you think about the the pictures? Because that was the evidence that someone sent to... Lydia's, or, or Lydia's husband, Michael, oh. his attorney, the pictures of her and Conrad. Clearly we're, even though it's not spelled out, we're led to believe Emily sent those pictures. She took the pictures and she sent them to Michael and that's, you know, just to ruin Lydia even farther. Yeah. I agree. I think it must have been, must have been Emily. I mean, who else? Well, and that's what I like about this show, though, is it doesn't have to spell out everything for you. Yeah. And you gotta just, you usually just know if you're, if you're paying attention and it was kind of weird because we saw some, you know, tenderish moments between Conrad and Lydia in the previous episode. I guess by tender, you know, that, oh, now it's summer or whatever, after they were hooking up. But it really seemed like they, you know, she just wants money from him. And he was kind of just, you know, oh, Lydia, I feel bad, but what can I do? What do you mean, what can you do, Conrad? Clearly, there's a lot you could do right now. And it just makes me think of, why were they together? What were they getting out of it? Because it doesn't even seem like they particularly like each other. Yeah, again, it kind of makes me wonder what happened first. Was it Michael 
having an affair with someone else, and so she just goes after Conrad just to make herself feel better, oh, she'll get some money, or was it she was going after Conrad because she really likes him, and then Michael... I could definitely see it being Michael's, something happened with Lydia, Michael's just done with her or whatever, or, or really likes another girl who we'll get into. Uh, and then that, out of spite, out of being upset, she goes for the next big thing. She goes for Conrad just because... Because Michael had cheated on her first. Yeah, I well, and that, think And that was interesting because it says, you know, the, the, um, the fidelity clause was up in their, in their prenup. So she signs a prenup with Michael saying, you know, if, if she cheats on him, then he will get all the money. Um, how about had him? he cheated on her first? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he had all the money to begin with, and she's always been just sort of a gold digger. We don't know. I, I guess I sort yeah, of. How old is this Michael? I, was, I, I thought they were just the same age. I don't know. Well, we get a clue about that a little bit because so we had heard in the first episode that Michael had left Lydia for a woman half Lydia's age, and so assuming that. Emily is supposed to be half of Lydia's age because of what we get in this episode, which is, so Victoria hires Frank, Frank Stevens, who is Conrad's security driver, and was was he also the one who helped pick up Lydia on the side of the road? I was, yeah, I think, okay, so. I think it was. So maybe he's also his driver or whatever. And so she hires Frank to look in to Emily's past. And we get a couple interesting things out of it, but one is that Emily was on the board with Michael for the, what was it, New York Landmark Protection or something something like that. So they're on the same board and that they had both attended and then not attended the same meetings. And that's why they were Yeah, present for the same meetings and then absent. Absent. And so it's something that is leading Victoria to believe that maybe Emily was the person that Michael had left Lydia for. Yeah. Which, at this point, I guess we don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, we don't know if it's true. I can, I can see it making sense. At first I was like, what? No way. And then I'm thinking, okay, maybe this makes sense. But that's also kind of suspicious. Why would they do that? If they were really trying to think, keep to I mean, maybe secret. it's just a coincidence. I don't know. I'm, at I'm first I thought it was we'll see more just... that later. Yeah, at first I thought it was completely just a coincidence, but after uh, thinking about it more, I thought, eh, I could, I could see it, see it happening, seeing Emily being the guy. And so we see that, girl. that Victoria is clearly investigating Emily and suspects her of something, uh, which I'm not really sure why, because, yeah, I mean, Emily's around, and she's the girl next door, and she likes Daniel, and so maybe it's just Victoria trying to protect her son or something, but... Emily really didn't do anything in either the first episode or this one to really call attention to herself in terms of being the cause of these things. Yeah, no. I, I don't know. I don't know why Victoria just has always <clears throat> kind of leaped on to being suspicious, suspicious of, Emily. of Emily. Yeah, suspicious. Yeah, but that's just the show. I think that's just the show's got to create some kind of conflict. We have we have Victoria. to have a way for Victoria to start suspecting Emily. Well, you know, plus maybe it's because Emily kind of comes across as yeah, she's sweet and nice, but she's, she's really a, smart. She's a smart woman that I don't know about takes control, but mm, compared to like Lydia, for example, she's I feel like Emily can powerful but no but she is definitely a more of a threat to victoria than someone like lydia was you're right yeah and the way she talks she'll say something certain ways 
that's like, huh? Okay, she's paying attention and she's not messing around. Like, she... Well, and we get some of that in the bidding war that goes on for the house in this episode. Where uh-huh. we've got... So we've got... Um, the, uh, Emily is is trying to buy the, the beach house. Because she was currently renting it, but she wants to purchase the beach house. And Victoria, for whatever reason, whether it be that she just wants to control who lives in the beach house, or she doesn't like Emily, or she doesn't want Emily and Daniel living that close together, or whatever... She also puts a bid in and somehow finds out what the, you know what Emily's bid is and is going to put a higher one in. And Nolan, who's watching the bid, also puts in a higher bid for the house and in order to get it to Emily. And so we see in that conversation where Emily is having tea with Victoria and says basically, Oh, as of now, I've become the proud new owner of the beach house. We see what you were saying was that she's not really... She's very purposefully not skirting around Victoria. She's just saying what she says and she's sort of it's it's one of these situations where you know Emily knows that Victoria knows that Emily knows that they both were bidding for the beach house but none of them are acknowledging it. Out yeah, loud. out out front just saying it. They're yeah. It's funny. So I think that's pretty funny. Also it kind of bothers me the whole episode how they just keep calling it the beach house. Like it's okay, they've also called it the cottage a couple times which annoys me because it's it's a it's a large house. You know, this is not, I mean, it's no, it's no grace and manner, but it's a large house. Yeah. And just calling it the beach house. Like, I'm the sure beach. they're on the beach. There's tons and tons of houses. That Why is that one the beach house? Yeah. Another interesting thing that I don't know if you noticed is Frank Stevens. Do you recognize that actor? No. Really? Should I? Should well, I? it's very topical, actually. You, you, you will tomorrow. Probably. So, Frank Stevens... I remember when I saw him recently in a different movie, I thought, where do I know this guy from? Where do I know this guy from? He's playing the exact same character. He plays the driver and bodyguard of Christian Grey in Fifty Shades oh of Grey. Oh my gosh. Which is very interesting. Look at that. He plays a different character. His name is Taylor. but Or something <laughs> Taylor. It's like John Taylor, James Taylor, something like that. But it's been like ten years later. He's still playing he, the same role. He looks exactly the same. He is just a guy who's clearly typecast for being like, bodyguards or security or you know drivers and it's it's just really funny that when I was watching Fifty Shades of Grey whatever three or four years ago when it came out I was like oh my gosh where do I know this guy from I, I know this guy from playing I was like the name Frank is popping into my head what is that from and then when we were watching this I was like ah it's, it's well, the guy you know he reminded me of a very younger version but of Princess Diaries that guy that's like oh, the Julia driver? Andrews little Joe lover. I mean, jo- yeah, yeah Joe, Joe from. I Princess think Diaries. that's who I was thinking of. Joe. <laughs> of I course, he's not in. They, I don't know. I mean, they're because they're both what drivers. It's uh, security guys. You know, head of security though. I don't know. Maybe Frank will start. Maybe he'll have some kind of love connection with Victoria. Like I'm Joe getting has. I'm getting hints of that. I feel Me too. like Me too. I'm getting some of that. And we see one thing also where Victoria asks Frank, she says, you know, did you know about Lydia and Conrad? And Frank says, I'm the head of your husband's security. It's my business to know secrets. Yeah, it's my job to keep secrets. Right. Or no secrets, keep Which secrets. Which is kind of interesting because as of now, it seems like he's working for, he's working for both Victoria and Conrad, and yet he's Conrad's head of security, but he's also confiding in with, or not confiding, but telling Victoria things. Victoria's yeah. Well, no, Victoria's telling him to do things too. Like look up, look up, uh, Emily. Keep an eye on Emily, and then he says 
filthy rich and squeaky clean. Well, until we find out at the very end of the until, episode, yep, yep, yep. he finds out something else. So do you want to talk yeah. about that? Says ages 16 through 18, it's like she doesn't exist. An anomaly. So. They said, yeah, the court held her records. They, okay, had, they have also, all her records hidden. Also, they were saying that, or Emily was saying that she was the captain of the equestrian club in Barcelona. For like, a semester. Is this really true? Those I have my notes in my notes. LOL. Like, I thought she was just in juvie this whole time. No, so that's a thing, and that's why it's difficult. We need a timeline. I know, I'm so I tried confused. looking up, like, how old she is and, and all this, but it's kind of hard. Okay, so Emily is a kid. She gets taken away, and I'm just filling in the parts that we know so far. Why she go to juvie, too? Well, we don't know that yet. I know it comes up in a couple episodes. We don't know that yet. But, so, she goes, she's eventually in juvie where she gets out at the age of 18. And that right there, the part from 1618, I think is when she's in juvie. And that's the part that the courts have hidden so far. So they don't know that because they say squeaky clean. So she gets out when she's 18. Let's give her sometime maybe a year to read all the diaries, figure out, okay, I'm going to turn my life around, have my hair blonde or whatever, get rid of this black hair dye. That's when she's going to start building her persona of being a very, yeah, high class kind of person. Sometime in there, she's going to go and study different things and oh, go so to, after. and that's when she's going to go to Barcelona and study there. And maybe meet Michael. Yeah, way later. But, so let's assume that she's somewhere in her mid-twenties, so we've got about, you know, four to six years of her doing all of this stuff, okay? Yeah, but the thing is, they say from 16 to 18, but how about before 16? Before 16, it wasn't like she was running around all this rich stuff. No, I mean, I'm assuming... She'd have no guardian. Her dad yeah, would be in jail. Well, and we don't know yet. That hasn't been said on the show what she's doing at that point. But my guess is they've been mostly looking at her as more of an adult and less as a kid. But, I don't know. I guess we'll get to that soon. Yeah, so. but it's going to be sketch for... Well, actually, it's kind of a time where... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They're looking at Emily. Right. Yes. The records of Emily Thorne. So that stuff that may mean... have been happening with Amanda Clark, we don't know yet. We're going to have to piece together. But the thing is, she created Emily. I thought that was after she was in Juvie. So from 16 to 18. But no, not even from 16 to 18. From 0 to 18, there would be nothing on Emily. Until she created herself. Unless somehow she's working with the courts. I mean, we see that oh, she has maybe. enough. she has enough ability right now to... Yeah, could she be Build a, like, a background for herself. Witness protection. Yeah, they could possibly. I'm kind of surprised, yeah, that that doesn't really come up. But but I guess is is she really witness protection when she's, I don't know, the the daughter of a I'm not terrorist. She, I don't know. I'm saying something like witness protection. Not that she would be a witness. You know, that that doesn't really apply. But something like that where they could, the government, the courts, whatever, could help. Well, clearly, the, clearly the courts have helped in some case because they've blocked these records. So, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, but so we had mentioned earlier that the, the episode starts out at a polo match. And I just wanted to talk about a couple of things in that because there there are some funny moments. Okay, so, so Ashley meets Emily, and Emily's in this different section, and she's like... This place is strictly for commoners. That's what Ashley says. I'm like, commoners? Is this like a medieval time? Like, just the things she says, especially I her know. accent. Yeah, because with the this British accent. Commoners, it's like, okay, come on. 
Ashley is like the character who is. You are a commoner. It's just your. Well, yeah, she's out. working. She's working for them. Is she high class? I. She is one of the hardest people for me to put down because I can't tell. Is she friends with Victoria? Is she working with Victoria? Is she friends with Emily? Like, how she just seems to be someone who's. Trying she's, to, she's, to no, work, she is you know? friends with Emily. Right, but she's, like like, she she's, has... the, she's the party planner. She's not, you know, she's like two steps above the waitress at the party. Which, no shade here, I'm perfectly fine with all that. I'm saying, in the eyes of someone like Victoria Grayson, how high regard are they holding Ashley in, you know? I think she has ulterior motives herself. I feel like she seems sketch. But, the thing is, yes, she could be just a couple steps above a waitress or whatever but you act and you dress the way you want to be treated so you know she's just gonna live up to whatever standard she wants to live up to and she's doing it she's i guess so you know project the image of yourself that you want to be exactly so this reminded me of the horse races around where we grew up just in terms of the well there's you know the hats and the so i mean there's like the Kentucky Derby and stuff like that, but us being in Virginia, <laughs> Central Virginia, we have Foxfield that I've been to for two years in a row, kind of like a mini version of that where where they have the dress up. It's the horse but, races, but right. But in that, I've never been to Foxfield personally, but and mostly it sort of has a reputation of just college students, yeah, going and drinking and crazy. Stuff. <laughs> but but is there is there a high class sort of area in Foxfield that you yeah. know of? Maybe, but I never saw it. <laughs> you are strictly a commoner. <laughs> I was strictly a commoner. Uh, nothing like. I think maybe it's just more comparable to Kentucky Derby. We don't have stands. Actually, you know what we do? There's just one tower, but I think that's more for people that are watching the horses. Gotcha. I don't know. I've never really been to any of these type of horse-related events. And oh, but the thing is, David is playing. I mean, sorry, Daniel is playing. Right, right. Daniel is playing polo. And polo. Oh, you're right. It's not even horse races. No. So Daniel shows up and he, you know, he's playing polo. And I'm like, what are you just on like a summer league? Like this is, it's not like a school. I mean, I don't know. I guess he could just be on a polo team. Maybe that's the kind of thing he does. But he just showed back up like a couple days or weeks ago. You know, he's just back at, back in the Hamptons and he's immediately playing polo. I don't know. It just seems like a little bit of a stretch for me. But I'm, I'm sure it's the summer league. Actually, not just Foxfield, but we have wineries around here. One winery in particular that has Sunday has polo matches. And have you ever been to a polo match? Yeah. Oh, I've been to a couple polo matches there. Gosh. So have you ever stomped some divots? Stomped some right. divots. Right. I I rerounded. Listen to this one line of this episode about ten times because I was I've just sort of always you know some of the dialogue I've always just kind of like skipped past. But there is a part. Where you hear an announcer say, and now it's time for the annual stomping of the divots, or whatever. And then Victoria is like, so Lydia is calling Conrad. And you see that Victoria sees Conrad's phone where it says Lydia Davis. And right then is when the announcer says, now it's time to stomp the divots. And Victoria goes... I, I feel like I'm in the mood to stomp some divots and watch, watch, marches out on the field. We don't actually see it, but I... What, some divots in the ground? Well, like, so I looked it up. Uh, yeah, I looked it up, and it's it's 
horses and I think also the stick things oh, that they, yep. you know, they play yep. polo with. I, this is clearly, I know a lot about polo. I don't know what those stick things are called. But yeah, mounds of mounds of dirt and, and grass that are coming up and it's part of the like halftime or whatever of the game where people will go out and stomp down on the ground to flatten the ground back out. Uh, and I just thought that was so funny because I looked it up and uh, sure enough there's videos of people doing this but... I just don't picture Victoria. I'm sure. I'm sure she's wearing heels and stuff. I don't pick her. Picture Gosh, her, her heels stuck in the yeah, going out there and stomping if it's like a commoner. Gosh, I don't think I remember seeing anybody do that. Little mm. kids around on the field when the game wasn't going on because that would be really bad. But I was there one time, kind of like a date ish. The guy oh. and we were having bets like which team would win. But then during halftime or. Intermission? No, it wasn't intermission. But between intermission games, intermission isn't a play. I know, I know. Between games, we went out and like we walked on the field and we touched the goalpost or whatever. I don't know, just doing little funny things. So I'm picturing polo to be like croquet, but on a horse. Yes. Oh, exactly. that's what it is. Very do, do similar. Do they have to go through like little gates and things? No, 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 no. But you just you pass the ball. Pass around. the ball to the very. But you have like a big size. mallet kind of thing, yes. right? Okay. Yep, yep. Because it's got to reach the bottom. I mean, it's got to reach the ground from top of a horse. So do you just hold big. it sort of down and hit it, or do you like swing it all the way around a big circle? Oh gosh, you know what? Let me just preface this by saying, when we're at a pole match, it's at a winery, oh. and we're all sitting around the field drinking wine. Talking to friends, eating food, not really paying attention to the game. Gotcha. The amount of time I was so it's actually more about the atmosphere. It's the, oh mm. yes, girl! It is sitting there on a beautiful day, drinking, eating, chatting. We were playing some card games. What's what is it called? Um, what's the meme or whatever? What's the meme? That's ah, a card game. Okay, it's cute. It's fun. And the amount of time that people are actually watching the game, it's sad. It is embarrassing. The game's over. I'm like, oh man, I. I didn't even look at the field at all. Oh, gosh. Which is funny, because you're uh, usually really into sports and stuff. Yeah, no, you know what? It's like for football, too. If I'm watching a football game at my house, on the couch, and I'm watching on a TV, I'm paying attention way more than if I'm... Versus when I'm actually in the stands. Huh. Because it's the atmosphere. Usually you've been tailgating before, so you're, your mind's in different places, and you're cheering but you're not really watching the but game you know, that, and the camera you you're not watching it, a camera that's camera is telling you where to watch Tailgating is probably people's you know one of the best parts of going to a, a live sporting event and you go to something like a polo match clearly you're kind of just tailgating the whole time exactly yeah i think i prefer yeah. that and you know what i didn't know a daniel grayson grayson there was no one for me to cheer for mm. i didn't really care wasn't really as invested there are older guys Tiny older guys. <laughs> Which brings up something interesting about the episode, you know, because that's what we're talking about. We're not just talking about your your life and, and things. But, so, I feel like the show gets really lucky here with the fact that, look, Emily, she's pretty, she's high class, I get that. But she's not, like, the most interesting or fun person in the world or whatever. And... I feel like the show gets so lucky that Daniel just really happens to like her because that's her that's her whole plan hinges on I guess being able to fall in love with what if Daniel had a girlfriend is she going to break up Daniel and his girlfriend was that her plan or did she come Maybe. to Hamptons without a plan of how to get close to Victoria and this just fell into her lap I think she she'd figure it out even if he had a girlfriend I bet she would still find her way 
to sneak into his heart, maybe be like the best friend, and then uh huh, yeah, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. That. maybe being friends might even be better, but well, it would be a lot less messy. But she's blonde, she's tall. No, her not, blue I, dress matches his, you know, the blue accents in his uniform. I, I'm not look. I'm outfit. not saying anything against her. I'm just saying that I feel like at least this is a show where. Yes, where the actress is a beautiful, you know, nice person who clearly fits into his lifestyle. There are just some shows that just sort of hinge on the fact of two people falling in love, and you're like, why do these two people like each other, though? There's no you know reason what? for that. They didn't even have to fake it. I'm pretty sure they dated in real life for a The actors? Yeah. Oh. I didn't know that. Surprising. I know. I want to look it up. You would have thought uh, Jack, though, because I like him better. No. I still like Jack. So, the other thing that we saw twice in this episode... <sighs> Was people eavesdropping on other Whoa. people's phone conversations? What, did you figure is it out? Is Emily Van Camp marrying her former co-star, Josh Bowman? Is Josh Bowman the guy uh, who plays Yeah, Andy and Grayson? this was January 6, 2018. I mean, just like a month ago. Oh. Oh, wait. Maybe they her are still fiancé, whom she got engaged to in May, they, oh, whoa, they've been dating since 2011, they got engaged May 2017. Oh, wow. Okay, we're just figuring out for the first time. Apparently, they actually are together. Yeah, Funny. so they didn't even have to... Oh, they look so cute together. They didn't even have to fake that, well, that and that's, chemistry. That's interesting, because there are some people that I've just noticed... Don't don't look at some of these pictures, because some of these are from the TV oh, show, shoot. I'm noticing. So, okay, okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, don't Google things about this unless you're prepared for spoilers. <laughs> but, so that, no, that brings up something interesting, which is from... Uh, back to Game of Thrones again, there were actors in that show who you watched the whole series and you realized they're never in scenes together because apparently there were people who had dated in real life and then had really messy breakups and then it's just lucky that their their characters never had to be in scenes together or they specifically write it in such a way where the characters never interact wow. because the actors had dated in real life. Well, hey, a real life couple, they're still together. Uh, Jon Snow. Right, and... um. Egret, Rose Leslie. Yeah. Yes. So, right, some of them work out, but some of them don't. So it's just, it's hit or miss with with these things. But like I was saying, there were twice in this episode where people, huge plot points are happening by people eavesdropping on other people's phones. Actually, I'm going to say three times this happens. Once we see when Victoria and Bill Harmon, who's standing right there, they all notice Lydia calling Conrad, and he's holding his phone so far away from his face, and I'm like, are you, like, an old, older person? And hey, that happens. No, I know, but I'm just saying, like, if it's... What did he put... just call from Lydia David, like, at least disguise her name or something. say? Like, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> and so, this was a, another example of, clearly, Victoria is not as bothered with the fact that her husband was cheating on her because he wasn't even trying to hide it. I don't know. Anyway. And, then, and then all she said was, I'm going to go stomp some divots. Yeah. Not like, oh my gosh. No, I How think she just, you? she needs to, she needs to just keep up appearances. But, so that was time number one. Time number two is in that same sequence at the polo match when Charlotte gets a text from Declan who is saying, hey, you want to go out on the boat later? Because Declan, quote unquote, asks Jack if, they, if he can go on the boat and it's like, Jack doesn't even respond because he's kind of too far away. But I guess Declan just assumes that means, sure, you can go on the boat later. <sighs> anyway, so Charlotte 
gets that text and she's also holding it in such a way where her boyfriend comes up behind her and I I don't even remember her boyfriend's name some dude yeah so he comes up behind her and somehow reads her text and I'm like if someone ever did that to me I'd be like shoot boy that's a huge violation of privacy like I understand that I'm holding my phone in such a way where anyone could walk up behind me and see it but no I've had an uh instances in the past where people comment okay, about like what one. you're texting or actually people are like oh who who just texted you you know previous relationships who's texted you and i'm the kind of person that i would never ask like you know for in, in return i would never be like who are you texting blah blah like i just yeah but it's just i, don't really I just think it's like it's weird to walk up to someone and and announce hey by the way i just read your phone and like have been you know I don't know. So that was kind yeah, of... Yeah, that's, that's just... Uh, I just didn't hate like the hate trust. Him. That is not I, very, I being very trusting. And then, and then so the third time this happens later is when Charlotte doesn't have her phone on her, but she gets a text message, and her boyfriend picks up her phone and then responds not, no, to... No, no, not just picks up her phone. Right, he reads. hears it... No, but he hears it buzzing in her purse. Like, he goes digging around, finds the phone, and... And, like, given... Declan was texting her, and it's not like, I mean, clearly Declan likes Charlotte and stuff, but Charlotte really hasn't done anything wrong in this instance. Every time that she's even gone to see Declan, she brings her boyfriend with her and stuff. Okay, well, first they were supposed to be on a break, her and Adam, so, but then, like, I think maybe he feels threatened with Declan, so he's like, no, we're we're back on. We're boyfriend. Yeah, and it, it seems like he but, seems like one of those guys who it's like, we're going on a break on. when I want to go see other people, but not you. You yeah, can't but, go see but you. come on, let's be realistic. Adam, he's pretty cute. Okay, he is really cute. Yeah, but he seems like a jerk. Well, okay, I'm just saying, look-wise, little, little Declan, he's not gonna stand a chance with Charlie. I don't think anyone calls her Charlie besides her dad. Okay, fine. Charlotte. Yeah. But anyway. I like the name Charlotte. Yeah. I don't know, just these shows that put people together where you're But just I don't like, think anything's wrong with Declan. I think Charlotte's thing with Declan is that he's... He seems to just really like her, and he seems like more of a genuine person. He's interesting. He's different. She's been around the same people for years and years, and it's, it's you know, time for something else. Time to spice up the relationship. He's just, he doesn't do it for me. Declan. Well, he, he has a bar. He doesn't have anything. Okay. He helps out <laughs> on his dad's bar. He takes his, or tries to use his brother's boat. What does Declan have? Yeah, not much. Not much. Well... So the whole Declan-Charlotte subplot of this episode, it just makes me so sad and frustrated. Because you see Declan get beat up, because twice in this episode, so Charlotte shows up. It'd be one thing to show up with some friends, but she shows up with, like, one other girl and, like, five guys. Like, that just ratio is just off. It's awesome. But look at Yeah, but look at all these other guys who are there. What are they getting out of this? It's not even like they're here to see the chicks. No. To drink and to go on a boat. Well, okay. Okay, that's true. And going on a boat, don't these people have boats? Like, you gotta imagine at least one of them has a boat. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know. Probably. So, you got that, and then you've got when Adam comes later to beat up Declan, which, first off, a little ballsy just beating up someone, like, in public. Like, yeah, there doesn't appear to be anyone in the bar with them, but, I mean, he even gets an extra kick or two in after the dad comes downstairs, but he shows up with, like, two other guys, too. It's like, you can't... Classic no, guy, really bigger ballsy. guy can't beat up another guy. That's really ballsy to beat up somebody in their own home right. or yeah. business. I think, I think it is his home, too. I think they live upstairs. Home, business, everything. <sighs> Especially with his dad being there, too, or Yeah, I mean, around. you just don't know. I, I don't know. He just... I don't care if you think he's cute. He will never be 
on my side, I will be 100% Declan. No, I'm, I'm not saying I'm team Adam at all. I'm just, I just don't like Declan. You don't like Declan? His look. You just don't like his look? I'm just not. Him and Jack, it. they're just a little scruffier and a little, I don't know, they've got that long kind of floppy hair. Which is, okay, funny that you say you don't like him, because you know who he reminds me of? Like a young version of Milo Ventimiglia or whatever his name is. The guy, you know, from Jess from Gilmore yeah. Girls. I feel like he's like a I similar like character. Jess. I thought you did like Jess. You definitely yeah. liked Jess for a oh, while. I am a Dean fan. I am a Dean. Okay, we'll both be Dean for life. Except, is it, yeah, so Dean for life. We definitely except both for, Dean for life. Except for Dean 2.0. Right, Dean 1.0 for life. <sighs> Although Jess, like, 3.0 in that show. It's true. Also but Jess, me, Jess hurt her too much. He was never there. He let her down. Okay, we're not talking about okay, the anyway. We're moving on. <laughs> the whole Declan-Charlotte thing is just very, it's very depressing. And we're just going to move on. Especially because of the end of that segment of the episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, and we should say that when Charlotte and Adam and the the guys all come to go onto the boat, the boat is gone. Right, so well, that the point, boat's gone because I think Nolan and Jack had taken it out. Yeah, and the thing is, so Nolan... Owns the boat, right? Yeah, I feel like he's always, he's like in a sorority or fraternity buying his friendship. He's trying to buy his friendship with... With, uh... Well, can you blame him? With Jack. I mean, and he's trying to buy his friendship with Emily. But... With buying the house, putting the deed in her name. But this is like what's been frustrating me. Through these two episodes, Nolan seems great. I'd be his friend. I like Nolan. I like Nolan. Like, I know they're trying to do this weird thing where they make him seem kind of sketchy and, like, questionable. But he just seems like a nice guy. And, like, he straight up tells Jack, like... I mean, I, I wish we could just be friends and you didn't have to pretend to be my friend, you know. Like, I'll give sad. you the boat back. Right? Yeah, I'll give you the boat back. I'll give you money so that you can keep your dad afloat. Like, that's the thing. Oh, also, I was going to say that he buys the boat. He doesn't even know how to sail. So he's like, yeah, I'll take the boat, but can you teach me how to sail? He's, I just think he's adorable. I think he's nice. And and that was one of the big I highlights. I like him better than Declan. I like him okay, way okay. better. You like Nolan better than Declan. That's not really apples and oranges here. Okay. <laughs> They're both guys. Whatever. Um, <laughs> so, but that was one thing about this episode that I really enjoyed was Nolan finally gets to help. He finally gets a part in Emily's plan, which is all he wants. All he wants to do is help her. And I think it's actually a really sweet moment when he's talking to her and he says, you know, what can I do to help? And she hugs him and she goes, you've just done it. You just helped. And I thought that was great. And, I mean, it wasn't really a sentimental moment. She well, was just trying to show that well, she had a like, relationship with him. Because he sees Bill and he's like... Bill Harmon, what do you need me to do? Like, yeah. like, what do you need me to do with this guy? How do you need me to mess him up? Oh, well, Nolan messes him real up. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's the one who, so he, you know, leaks. Well, Emily chooses to leak incorrect information about where Nolan is going to invest. And what I found most interesting about this is throughout the whole thing, throughout Nolan's webcam press conference, yeah, which that was is so weird. funny. It was more funny that the news was like, Nolan Ross will be coming in via webcam, or whatever. <laughs> like, okay. And he's, like, walking he's, like, down the walking. street with an iPad. And it's, like, up high. Like, come on, Nolan. I know you're trying to, like, vlog or whatever, but it's just not working. So what's, what's hilarious about that was Nolan wasn't in on the plan. He, he got to help, but he wasn't in on it. It wasn't until the end of the episode where he goes to Emily and says... So why did you leak the wrong information? You knew I was investing in something. All. Unitech. Unitech. Oh, not yeah. not Alcon, but Unitech. And uh, and Emily says, Well, yeah, that's the point. I wanted to I wanted to ruin him. I wanted to leak the wrong information. And and you know, it's just 
so close to, to cluing him in if he, I don't know, it wouldn't have gone any differently, but, but it, it worked out well. can't let him get, have too much information yet. So, no one, too much. like you said, he buys this house for Amanda, which he gives her and he says, happy birthday, you know, for, for Amanda's birthday present, because I guess it's, I guess it's Amanda's real birthday, but it's not Emily's real birthday. I, I, like, I don't know what date Emily has decided is her birthday, but I'm guessing not I the same think, date. Yeah, I don't think that, uh... Maybe that would just be too much of a coincidence someone yeah. could figure out. So, Nolan, the other thing that he does in this episode is he helps out with this surprise party that happens. And so, Daniel, Grayson, and... Emily go on a date, which appears to be just like walking along the beach or something. I don't know. I wanted to see something cool and fun. I they were yeah, going to do something, but so they're just sort of Boring. walking along the beach, and they talk about Emily's parents who quote unquote died in a car crash, and how great uh, how Daniel is going to go work for Conrad's company and you know just take over that. And she's like, oh, it doesn't sound fun. And he's like, yeah, I know. And he mentioned something about wanting to have been a poet. I don't know. There's just they're just having sort of light conversation. And then he brings her back to her house, where, surprise, surprise, there's a party going on. A welcome to the Hamptons housewarming party. Which, to be fair, this is the same episode, or the same day, that she has bought this house. So in some space of time, she has bought a house, apparently had terrible security in it, where a whole bunch of people can just come into her house and Wait, set up this a party. Is her worst nightmare like, she doesn't like surprises, but not only that, but people going into and potentially going through her stuff. She's got a lot yeah, of stuff hope she hid that, that uh, infinity box. Yep. Oh. So, and there's We're a scene... assuming that she does. Yeah, there's a scene earlier in the episode where Daniel and uh, Ashley are meeting, and, and he's... Daniel's talking to Emily on the phone about, like, their date later or something, and he hangs up, and Ashley goes, ooh, does she suspect anything? And he goes, no, nothing. And that's it, and I guess we're supposed to believe, like... Wow, I think there's, like, a that. subplot of, like, oh, they're cheating on hers. I don't know. I don't know what we're supposed to believe there, but... No, no, no. Does she expect that we're gonna have a throw party? Well, no, I get that. I'm saying I understand that they... But they don't say in that scene that they're throwing a party. So you realize afterwards... Is this oh, stuff that's after what it was. Because I don't... I didn't pick that up. But I was just... I was analyzing that scene from the point of view of someone who's first time watching this and what they were supposed to have picked up at that spot. And I guess... I mean, the only thing I could think of is they're supposed to pick up that Daniel and Ashley might be sneaking around or something. It's kind I don't of confusing see them but two together. Who are all these people at this party? Emily, there's no way in the like couple weeks Emily has lived here that she has met enough friends to have a it's giant Ashley, surprise, par- surprise party. Friends. Well, that's the what? Okay, only thing worse than a surprise party is a surprise party full of people you don't even know. Yeah. And uh Daniel actually this comes later, but Daniel and Emily have their first kiss. Does that come later? I don't even remember that part of the episode. <laughs> I think it's the very end. Oh, because so Nolan brings Jack to the party. Who invited Nolan? And the dog. Or no, no, like, actually invited Nolan? Does she think Amanda wants Nolan there? I don't know. Eh, they don't really explain that. I, that is a good question. How would Nolan know about the party? But he, he he's always at anything. Okay, come on. He's at the polo match. He's at the uh, Memorial Day. At least or he has the, a job in a company that apparently he does nothing for, but whatever. <laughs> So, and what is Nolan's company anyway? They say that he makes tech chips. Okay. 
I feel like that's just such a, you know, it's like in TV shows where they always say, oh my gosh, trigonometry. And I'm like, you know, trigonometry is like not actually a difficult type of math. You're just saying it because it's like a long word. It's like, oh, he does tech something, something. This guy's a hedge fund. Like, they, we're getting nothing. Oh, global, Grace and Global. We know nothing about these people and what they do. Oh, I, I was the, okay, well, it was actually pretty specific with the head of the equestrian team in Barcelona. That was more specific. I, I, isn't the last, I thought the last scene in this episode was when Amanda says, or Emily says, happy birthday, Amanda, and blows out that her little morose oh, note. okay, well, episode. I was thinking that it was in the, the, the bar. Oh, and you're right, no, it was. Gosh, what was the end of this episode? I feel like there's so, there's like four or five end clips. There's like the end with Bill Harmon, there's the end with Emily, there's yeah, the end with her and so, Daniel, there's the end with Declan and, and so, Jack. Rewinding a little bit, when Declan gets beat up, uh, his dad does come to his rescue eventually. He comes from downstairs, or from, he comes from upstairs, he goes downstairs, and he's a little bit late. The dad's a little bit late defending his son because he's been drinking. And so you kind of find out that, I guess maybe, I was thinking, oh, could it just be that he's been drunk because he's sad and depressed about this the bar closing and all this, or do you think this is a long time thing? I think it's been. I got the feeling that he might have a problem with alcohol, because because earlier in the episode, Jack goes upstairs and the dad says, "I'm like, oh, the bottle was half empty when I started." I'm like, okay, we still drank half a bottle of liquor, so. Yeah, and uh, I know Declan says to his dad, "I'm going to be a loser like you," to the dad. So a little rough. And Especially because that's, you know, his dad appears to... Yeah. Well, okay, other thing. So Jack says, or I guess Jack's dad says, when your mother left, it all went to hell. So that's also a Bruce Miller question about the mothers. There's, like, no moms in this thing. So what happened to Jack and Declan's mom? Yeah. I guess she left. I guess. And I don't know... See, I've, always, so even, I thought, I've always even wondered... Do Declan and Jack have the same mom? I don't even know. Because they're so far, well, and they're so far apart in age. Nah, not that. I don't know. They look like they're, like, probably, I mean, Declan's in high school, and Jack is in a grown adult. I thought they would be the same as, like, Charlotte and Daniel. Isn't Daniel kind of Emily's age and Emily and Jack are similar age? Well, I always pictured Jack to be a year or two older than Emily. But, yeah, same kind of thing where there are, both of those groups are probably, you know, eight to ten years apart in age. Yeah. So, it's not like you and me. It's only no. 18 months, but... You know, we're, we're much much closer in age than that. But, but yeah, I think that maybe when, for whatever reason, Jack's mother leaves, maybe that makes Jack's dad become a drunk or whatever. Maybe. Or she left because he was a drunk. We, we don't and really know. you know what? If you're a drunk, you should not be working at a bar. But what comes first? The chicken or the egg? I so. Yeah, we're... It's... Yeah. it's but, so the very end, it's dramatic because... I should now that I think about it. <laughs> you you brought that all up. Oh, it's dramatic. Actually, now that I think about it, I know exactly. About? I know how it ends. Where uh, I just don't know. I know the dad. They find the dad. Um, he has a heart attack or something. Yeah, a heart attack. But I'm saying, where was he? He helped defend. He helped break up the fight. Where he helps break up the fight, and, and then, Declan yells at him and runs upstairs, and then he immediately has the heart attack. Oh. Falls on the ground. I guess Declan doesn't come back downstairs. Okay, so Jack until Jack comes home from the party. Mm-hmm. Jack comes from the home from the party and discovers his dad on the floor. We're thinking he has a heart attack. We're thinking maybe he's dead. Hopefully he's not. But that's da 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 is mm-hmm. the end. Yeah. <sighs> it, it, a 
sad ending, to be sure. Yeah. I mean, we don't have... Clearly, Mr. Porter is not the biggest character, but you never want to see someone go down that path. Yeah. Oh, it's sad. It's very sad. So, wish he pulls through. But that was pretty much pretty much the episode right yeah. there. Because... And, and, you know, hopefully next episode we'll learn more things like... Uh, are Emily and Jack going to have another really awkward conversation? Is Nolan going to ever make friends? Yeah. You're right. So Emily and Jack, they first, their first conversation, not really a conversation at all, but for the first episode, she quickly sees him in the park with a dog, and the dog comes up to him. That was pretty much it. But this episode, it's weird. So she's is she on the porch at the surprise party, and then Jack comes out and talks to her? Like, why would Jack ever come out and talk to her? Because even... I know, I think his dog, because for some reason his dog is with them. Don't know why he brought the dog to the surprise party. But Sammy's with them, and Sammy runs up to Emily again, and Jack comes out and says, I promise I'm not stalking you, though maybe my dog is. I'm just here with Nolan, basically. So it's just more of this connection where Jack is noticing, huh, why is my dog so into this girl keeps like running after her? Because, surprise, surprise, Sammy is actually her dog. Uh, And I just, I don't really understand why she can't just be friends with Jack. I mean, she's friends with Ashley. Like, can't she just clearly pretend to have another friend? Yeah, I think time will tell. I think it's too early right now. Yeah. She has more history with Ashley for friend-wise. Than she does with Jack, yeah. Right now, that'd be too sudden. Plus, she has Daniel. That'd be... Yeah, I know. You gotta gotta pick one guy to go after at a time. yeah. Well, that was really the end of the episode, so feel free to send us your comments and questions on our website or on our Twitter at KowskiCast, that's cow with a K, and don't get too mad at us for our rambling or our jumping around in lots of different orders. We're not experts on this, we're just having a good time. We don't know the ins and outs of things like polo and hedge funds. Blame on the wine. Yeah. Just kidding, just, I have like a sip. <laughs> we're just chatting, this is a very, very casual time. Yes. Uh, also, we would love five-star ratings and reviews on iTunes. If you enjoyed the podcast, it, that's really, again, the best way for people to find our show in the future. Yeah, if you enjoy just, you know, having a fun conversation and going over a show that we have loved for many, many years. But that's all for this week's episode. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next Monday for our rewatch of episode three. For now, we're the Kowski Sisters. Peace out.